and excited to continue our series together. And today we're going to add the word. I told you we would add a word uh, and attach it to the word together. Last week, stronger together. This week, it is closer together. I shared with you the effects as I close, so I'll pick up right where I left. The effects of solitary confinement. The study by the American Psychological Association that was produced shared this alarming fact. Deprived of normal human interaction, many segregated prisoners reportedly suffer from mental health problems, including anxiety, panic, insomnia, paranoia, aggression, and depression. Solitary confinement used to discipline criminals. Let that sink in for a moment. Used to discipline criminals, and yet many of us have voluntarily, willingly been living this way. A recent study revealed that more than 40% of Americans, 40% say they're close to no one. That's one in every four, or I'm sorry, four out of ten. Four out of ten people don't have someone in their life that they say that they're close to. I don't want that to be the case for you. So I just want to tell you, you just call on your brother when you need a friend. We all need somebody to lean on. You might just have a problem that they'd understand. We all need somebody to lean on. For all the young folks in the house, that's not the Bible. But it's a reality. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. We all need somebody. And I tell you with all the love in the world that I feel very responsible to share with you that I don't want that to be the case for you. The first problem in the Bible was not sin. The devil doesn't show up until Genesis 3, but in Genesis 2, after God had created, God said it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible doesn't address sin first. It addresses your loneliness, my loneliness. It wasn't sin, it was solitude. Solomon, known as the wisest king of them all, had lots of wealth, had lots of fame, had lots of wives. Speaking of himself in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 8, he writes these words. So consider this man that had everything possession-wise and material-wise. Look what he says. There was a man, speaking of himself, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. He was just constantly 
working, just constantly going. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. I have a lot, he was saying. I have everything that I could possibly imagine material-wise. But what did he say? He was not content with his wealth. I have a lot, but I'm not satisfied with it. Why? Because we were meant for relationships. We were meant for community. We need each other. We need each other. One of the last conversations that Jesus would have, the Thursday, the day before Good Friday, it's a Thursday, and while they were there in that place gathered to celebrate the Passover as they had every year, we understand through John's writing that he, he specifically dedicates more time than the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but John dedicates more time to let us know what's taking place in this, on this occasion. Give so much more details. While Matthew, Mark, and Luke would just write a few paragraphs on this, John would dedicate five chapters to the, lot, to the last conversation that Jesus would have. And what we see first is that it was a custom when entering somebody's house that, that the host or somebody uh, there would, would be assigned to wash the guests' feet as they walked in. On this occasion, though, Jesus notices that no one is there. And because no one is there, instead of just looking around and waiting, Jesus, the Bible tells us, he takes off his outer garment and he wraps a towel around his waist. He gets a basin of water and he goes to wash the disciples' feet. This caused some discomfort amongst the people because they had really enjoyed his teaching. They had really enjoyed his, his, his fellowship. They had really enjoyed his company. But this was something that threw them off. It was something that they had never experienced. They had never experienced something quite like this. In John 13, verse 8, the beginning says this. No, said Peter, you shall never Wash my feet. In other words, Jesus, this has been great. This has been great. I've enjoyed the teaching. I've enjoyed the company. I've enjoyed being able to be mentored by you. But there's some areas in my life that I won't let you go to. There's some areas in my life. And while this is taking place, maybe it was, I'm not going to let you See the cracks. Literally and figuratively for some. I won't let you see the cracks. I won't let you get close to the dirt. That's on my feet. I won't let you smell the smells that come from that place. And maybe could it just be this morning that this is how we've approached being a Christian. I love church. I've embraced Jesus. I've embraced his word. I've embraced his spirit. But there are some areas in my life that are just off limits. 
Could it be that I come for a Sunday morning and, and all my approach is I just want to come just to satisfy a religious requirement and I'll, I'll come and I'll even raise my hands for a little bit. I'll sing along with the songs. But there's some areas that I just won't fully get involved in that we, that we say, God, this, this particular part is off limits and I'll let you work in this, but this right here. Not so much. I really don't want you to see this part. I really don't want you to see the part that carries the rest of the body, our feet. And Jesus answered and said, no, this needs to happen pretty much. And he says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, you're missing a part of me. And could it be this morning in Peck City that we have some of God, but not all of God? Could it be that we have said, God, I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, but, but this right over here, this experience, this thought, this reservation, this resentment, I'm just going to hold on to this right here. You're welcome to, to work in any other area of my life, but I really don't want to deal with some things in my life, so this, this is going to be it. And we're missing out on the cleansing that God and God alone can do in our lives. So what does Jesus do in this particular instance? He begins to teach. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, these five chapters, they share the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples on this occasion. And each chapter, when you look at it, it has a theme about relationships, and it makes the case of why we need each other, and it makes the case of why we want to be a church of small groups and not a church with small groups. It makes the case why we need each other. And in chapter 13, he gives us this idea, the first thing, I need people who will care for me. I need people who will care for me. I need someone... In my life, who can step in and do for me when I can't do for myself? I'll tell you, I need somebody in my life. Look what John 13, 12 to 15 says. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I need people who will care for me. Jesus is saying, I have given you an example of the way you should care for others the way I have cared for you. I need people who will care for me, but not only that, I need to be a caregiver, but I also need to be open and vulnerable enough to be a care receiver. Amen. We need to care for each other. What does Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 say? It is better to have a partner than go at it alone. Share the work, share the wealth, and if one falls down, the other helps. But if there is no one to help, tough. Could it be that we are getting knocked down time and time again in life because we are choosing to go through life alone? 
Could it be that I am choosing to walk through my problem and my proclivity and my temptation on my own? And because of that, I keep on falling and no one is there to help me up. And maybe life or maybe a situation or maybe you have been knocked down and, and while you're standing physically, you're, you're on the floor spiritually. Could it be that if someone comes by your side, they're able to help you because two are better than one? I need someone who cares for me because there's going to be days where we can't handle the load on our own. And we need someone there. And we need someone there to care for, to be cared for. We need someone there to walk through the good times, but we also need someone there to walk through the difficult times with us. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. I can celebrate with you, but I'll cry with you also. We need some people like that in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We've designed our small group system to help us care for each other. And if we're really going to take care of all of us, listen to me well, if we're really going to take care of all of us, every one of us has to be involved in taking care of all of us. That's your responsibility to everyone in this room. But at the same time, that's everyone in this room's responsibility to you. We're here for each other. We're here for each other. So as we start impact groups, as we kick off this season, I want to tell you, as you join a group, keep your group leader informed of your care needs. That we would pray for you by name, daily. That you would be covered Daily. As I go through my daily, daily routines, I constantly think, because I know many of you are involved in work and traffic and, and having to, to travel from places, and, I'm, and, and your name will come to my mind, and I'm saying, Lord, would you please protect them as they travel to and from, because I know they have to get up early. And would you give them strength to, to, be, to be able to do what they need to do and then to come home and then to rest, God? Would you work the situations out, cover you, cover your spouse? But I'm going to tell you, as we continue to grow, we, we need, we need, I can't get to all of you. And, and that's why we've designed our small groups to be able to care for you that no one falls through the cracks. Are you with me this morning? Jesus keeps the conversation going. And in chapter 14, we see this. So I need people who will care for me, but I also need people who will encourage me. Can I just, be, can I just tell you, sometimes we just need an attaboy. Sometimes you, you just need an girl. Sometimes you just need someone to come alongside you and say, you know what, I know things are tough right now, but things are going to get better. If it's, you, you need someone to come alongside you and tell you, if it's not good, it's not over, don't stop believing. Let's just keep walking through this together. This too shall pass. It's just a moment. It's just a season. We're going to get through it. I'm not going to leave you. We need people who are encouragers. Jesus said this in John 14. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Do not let your heart. And then he starts talking about what awaits us in heaven. But don't let your hearts be troubled. He is encouraging his people. Trust in God. Trust in me also. Look what Hebrews 3.13 says. But encourage one another daily. Daily. Send a text. Send a phone call. I mean, you can't send a phone call. Make a phone call. I only had two cups of coffee this morning. Give me a break. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin's deceitfulness comes to all of us, starting with the man who's talking to you this morning. But we need some encouraging people around us. I have enough, I have enough people in my life that will want to speak negative. If I turn on the TV, if you go to social media, whatever you look, I need some people that will say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. I need, to, I need to surround myself by, with some people that say, hey, you're not in this alone. I'm here for you. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to believe that God's best is for you and yet to to come in your life. I'm going to believe with you that that your son will will turn his life around. I'm going to believe with you that the situation in your family will not always be the way it is. I'm going to believe with you that he that started the good work in me, he is faithful enough to complete it. Encourage one another daily so that life doesn't get the best of us. Make a phone call. Send a text. Thinking of you. Praying for you. Anything I can help you with? Encourage each other daily. So as we start groups, encourage I encourage you to exchange phone numbers that you would regularly check on one another. The conversation goes on. And in John 15, we see this. So I need people who will care for me. I need people who will encourage me. I need people who will partner with me. I need people who will partner with me to link arms with me to join with me, and to do something that really matters. John 15, 4 and 5 says this, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do goose egg. You can't do nothing. We need each other to make a difference in this world. We need each other to make a difference in this world. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Look what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, for we, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, for we are God's workmanship. Notice, it is not for I am God's workmanship. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is about us collectively together doing the work that God has called us to do. We're not in this by ourselves. I may be able to just make a dent, and you may feel like all I can do is just make a dent, but I promise you, if the 200 in this room all made a dent, it's something significant. You make a small dent in your car and say, oh, that's not, that's not a big deal, but then call the rest of us to come and just make that same small dent and see what that turns out like. I have to make my dent. You make your dent. He makes his dent, and together we're going to change this world for Jesus. So as we start groups, do serve project together. Go out and do something in a community. We have small groups that go out to the food bank. We do it collectively. We do it together as a church. But do something together. Partner together. Let's make a difference together. Amen. Conversation goes on and Jesus teaches us this. I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. I need people who will care for me. I need people who will encourage me. I, will need, I need people who will partner with me. But I need people who will protect me. People who will protect me where I'm vulnerable. People who will protect me where my blind spot is at. We need people seeing what we can't see. For us to have each other's back. John 16.1 says this, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. Because you don't need me to tell you that in the life that, in the world that we live, in the life that we live, it is so easy to just drift. It's a slow fade. And Jesus is telling his disciples, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. I'm, I'm pouring into you guys. I'm, I'm letting you see my heart because I want you to be sure that you are grounded on the firm foundation. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says this. Zach, will you come up here please? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Zach's vantage point allows him to see to the north. And, and, and where he is looking... It requires so much more strength and energy for him to, to look over his shoulder and to try to capture what is behind him. But we need people who will protect us. And the Bible says that if you do the back-to-back, -back, hey, I know you can't see it, but it's coming from this side, Zach, and we need to be ready. And, and when I can't see to, to the north, I, I need Zach to, to be able to speak into my life and to say, hey, 
hey, have you paid attention to that, that thing that's trying to, to knock you down, that thing that's trying to destroy you? I need people in my life who can stand back to back to me and say, can you look for the spots that I can't see? Can you look for the areas that I can't see? And can you just believe with me? I need some back-to-back people in my life, and you need some back-to-back people in your life. Thank you. A person standing alone can be tacked, but two can stand back-to-back and conquer. And look what the Bible says, that three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So when you get together in your groups, when you get together and and you develop these relationships, the safe spaces, and and we, we follow the river rule, what's said in the group stays in the group. Ask some tough questions. You know the tough questions that nobody wants to talk about. Like, have you been in a compromising situation this week? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any inappropriate or explicit material? Have you spent quality time in in Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you done everything you can this week to fulfill your calling? And once you're done asking all those questions, then you ask, have you just lied to me? Ask the hard questions. There's people in in this church that I've known that that have gone through some stuff. And they they find people in in, in the church to support them. Because I'm going to tell you, you have to tell somebody. You can't tell everybody. But you have to tell somebody, somebody that's willing to watch your six, somebody that's willing to stand in the gap with you, someone that, that you can trust and say, hey, this is what's, what I'm really facing. Can you pray with me? And then when they share that, you pray with them, and then you're, you're texting them the next day, hey, I'm just checking in on you. you. You pick up the phone. Hey, I know we talked, but I just... I love you too much to let you go astray. I love you too much to let you fall into that trap again. I love you too much to get caught up again. I'm just checking on you. Don't tell everybody, but you got to find somebody to tell. And get that back-to-back position where they can see what we're not seeing. And the final thing is this. I need people who will pray for me. I need people who will pray for me. Care, encourage, partner, protect, and pray. Jesus, fully God fully man, feeling the pressure of knowing what's next. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prays and says, if it's possible, can this cup pass by, pass over me? 
In other words, if there's a way around this, now would be a really good time. Feeling the pressure. John 17 tells us that he asked his disciples to pray for him. They fell asleep. Fell asleep and couldn't stay up. John 17, verse 1 and 9 says this, that after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. And he said, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. This is powerful because he is praying specifically for the disciples. He says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me. Every single one of you. Every single one of us God has entrusted with people in your circle. And this is the wonderful thing about church is that I can't reach everybody. I've told, I've, I've told the church countless times that it's not about me. If you, I don't come up here and I don't give you my name because I'm going to tell you my name is not important. There's one name that's important. That's, that's the name of Jesus. But I, I, tell, I tell you this, that for you to know my name is not important. What, what is important to me is that you come here, you make a connection, that you experience God's presence and God's power, and that you leave different than what you came in. It's not about me. It's not about one person. But who has God given you? And I want to tell you that no, no doubt I care about you. No doubt your situations, when you share, they weigh on my heart. And my only objective this morning is to provide you some tools for your toolbox that when you leave out of this place, you're here with me from 10 to 11, 15 maybe. But I want you to live a victorious life. Sunday afternoon and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I want to pour into you all that I can. And I want to tell you that you don't have to do this by yourself. Who has God entrusted you in your circle that you can pray for, that they can pray for you? I want you to be okay deep down on the inside because this is the truth of the matter that when each of us experience what it is, truly spiritual health, when we're spiritually healthy, when each of us truly are cared for, it's when we're, we get to a place where we can do great things for God. We invite you to serve. We invite you to be a part of the dream team. But I want you to be okay. I want you to be okay and I want you to be healthy deep down on the inside. Ephesians 6 and 18 says this. Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. It's constantly taking place. 
pray hard and long. And what does it say? Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Share prayer requests weekly and cover one another in prayer. The huge redwood trees in California are amazing. I've never had a chance to, to go see them. Has anyone seen the redwood trees in California? Got a few people. We've got some pictures that we're going to show of those because they're the largest living things on earth. Largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and more than 2,500 years old. So you would naturally think that these trees to be this large have just an incredible root system that allow them to stay planted, to survive the storms, to survive the wind blowing. So you would think they must be really anchored in, but the, the truth is that they're not. They're extremely shallow roots that grow to the side and they interlock with each other. They're intertwined. So when the rain falls and when the wind blows and whatever comes their way, they stay standing. It's not because they themselves have been so anchored deep. It's because they rely on each other. They rely on each other to be intertwined, to be interlocked. And they are able to survive whatever comes their way because of the root system, because of the way they're designed. They're not designed to be on their own. And can I tell you, neither are we. Can I tell you, neither are we that we need each other. We need each other. With an interlocking root system, they support, they sustain each other. If they could talk, I would guess they would tell each other, we're in this together. We're in this together. They need one another to survive. So do we. So do we. So do we. Father, I thank you today.
good week. Could you put your arm around your neighbor, put your hand on their shoulder? Maybe your spouse, maybe somebody you don't know. But we're in this together. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We're in this together. We're in this together. We're in this together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your spirit, God. I thank you for reminding us that we don't have to do this on our own. I thank you for reminding us that, that, that no one, no one has to walk through their circumstance, through their dark moment by themselves. God, I thank you that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you today, God, that you, first of all, are with us and that your presence goes before us. But I thank you that you've placed people in our lives. I thank you that you've placed brothers in our lives. I thank you that you've placed sisters in our lives, God, that we would be able to support each other and hold each other up. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, that, that you, that the Spirit of the Lord would raise a banner against them and that we would hold each other up, that we would strengthen each other, that we would protect one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would pray for one another. God, I thank you right now for what you're doing in this place today. I thank you that for someone, their healing is coming through a friend and through a neighbor. I thank you for someone in this place, God, that their breakthrough is coming through way of a connection and a relationship, God, that is being developed developed and formed. I thank you, God, that you have brought us here together for such a time as this. I thank you, God, for the spiritual well-being that's coming to everyone. It's coming to everyone. And we would support each other, strengthen each other, be there for each other. You don't have to walk alone. You don't have to walk alone. You don't have to walk alone. God, that healing would happen because of relationships. That restoration would happen because of our relationships in this place. And just as we talked about last week, God, that while we may not be able to walk, that there would be people around us that would carry us, support us. God, I pray for every, for every person in this place that you would put in their life life-giving relationships, support systems, people that would gather around them and speak life and encourage and build. God, I pray that every single one of us would be able to experience everything that you have for us. God, that walls would come down and that we would let our guard down and that we would make friends, that we would be there through it all it all with every head bowed and every eye closed. For some of you in this place, it may be that you're walking alone right now. 
But the first step that you need to make surrendering to Jesus. He died for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he sees you going through life in a meaningless and pointless way. Just constantly spinning your wheels. Just constantly going in circles. Just constantly. And you're trying to figure things out on your own. And you're trying to work it out. And you haven't been able to. You're carrying shame from the past. You're carrying guilt that you haven't been able to shake. And Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. I know you've given that a chance. I know you've given that a chance. I know you've given alcohol a chance. I know you've given drugs a chance. I, I know you, you've done different things. But he says, I stand at the door and I knock. He said, if you open the door, I'll come in. And Jesus right now, he's the one that leaves the 99 and goes after the one with, with a relentless love. He comes after you. He chases you. He pursues you. He says, just... Bring me your heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. If that is you, and if you say, today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to invite you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, that you would just raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hands going up all over the place. <laughs> he loves you that much. Here at Impact City, we believe that no one should go through life alone, so we pray together. And I'm going to invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me when I have been unlovable. I open my heart. I invite you to come in. I give you my shame. I give you my guilt. Be the Lord of my life and let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate for everyone that received him today? We celebrate with you. We celebrate with you.